Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Merry Christmas. Uh, My name's Brian. I coordinate pastoral care here at the church, and it's my pleasure to be speaking this morning. So, Merry Christmas. I hope you all had a wonderful week. Um, Christmas is really, really, really a busy time uh, for many of you. I know that a lot of you look forward to this all year. I know you have tubs of decorations. Uh, We have a whole attic full of stuff that we break out and and bring down every year. Uh, I know of at least one family in here that puts up five separate Christmas trees every year. <laughs> That's more Christmas trees than I want to have to take down every year. I can tell you, I can tell you that. We're all trying to spend time with family and get to see friends and bake cookies and go to dinner and do all these things, and it gets lost in what I call the haze of the holidays. But it certainly is uh, something that we look forward to and anticipate and, and hope for every year. Uh, If you're a young boy, somewhere around the beginning of November is when it starts, at least that's when it starts in my family, Uh, grandma would pull out the JCPenney catalog and (laughs) tell us to go through and just circle what you want, put your name by it, you know, so so Santa wouldn't get my brother and I mixed up. And uh, we we would make this list of things that we hoped for and maybe even some of them we expected and uh, I remember one year, I was, I was eight years old. There are some important things that have to happen for an eight-year-old boy. One of those things is that you have to get a new bicycle, okay? You are probably riding the one that you took the training wheels off of, so you need something way cooler than that. And so I asked for a new bike, and I really was hoping to, just, just for any bike, anything that wasn't my old bike, but my parents because I knew by that time it wasn't Santa, kind of just, you know, blew my expectations away. Christmas morning, I got this bike that had two-inch slick tires on the back, and um, I ride a motorcycle now, so the term is rake. The the front wheel was kind of out a little bit like a chopper, and uh, in something that I believe was maybe a little prophetic, it was Harley-Davidson orange and black with flames and a bunch of chrome. (laughs) Yes! My kind of bicycle. I love that bike. But (laughs) every year, you know, you go through this hoping and expecting, and and you just walk through this ritual every year, hoping for something new to come into your life. And our characters in our story today are exactly like that. We're going to look at them, and they each have a little different perspective on it. So we're going to be over in Luke uh, chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 22. so let's, uh, let's read this. When the time of their pur- purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. 
He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Well, Father, we we thank you. We thank you that we celebrate the birth of your son in Christmas this month. And as we have hopes and expectations this time of year, Lord, just just like Simeon and Anna, would you enlighten them this morning? Lord, just come, speak to us through your word. Breathe on your word. Make it real and give it a voice to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mary and Joseph are probably still a little shell-shocked at this point. Uh, Just like most new parents, I know uh, when I had uh, my first daughter uh, that I was definitely a little (laughs) shell-shocked. I can remember the, you know, all the hope and the expectation leading up to when we went to the hospital and then you go through the delivery, which for her was like an 11-hour labor, and then, you know, the baby pops out and you're like, yeah! And it's cigars and everybody's happy and then um, I, had to, I had to walk home and get a few things and so I left the hospital in the, the main street in Morgantown, West Virginia is called High Street and I was. I was, about, I was about this far off the ground and it was awesome. And I got home and I fell asleep and a couple hours later I just startled myself awake like, oh no, what am I going to do now? <laughs> things, things just got very real. And so Mary and Joseph are probably in that exact same place And so what they do is what most of us do when it gets real. We go with what we know. And so all of their hope and their expectation that the angel Gabriel had given them when the first time he talked to Mary, it kind of kicks in and they start doing what they know they're supposed to do. They go to the temple to present the baby Jesus the way that the law requires. And they could have done anything differently. They didn't have to do it this way. They didn't have to be obedient. They could have said, hey, you know, uh, Angel came and told me about my kid. (laughs) I can just take a pass on this whole temple thing because he's kind of special. After all, he's the savior of the world. Does he have to do everything the same way everyone else does? But they didn't do that. They go, they take their poor little offering, and they take it to the temple, 
and do what they understand needs to be done. Your first, if you're taking notes, fill in that you can write down this morning, is expectation is an action. Mary and Joseph do a couple things consistently throughout this whole story, from the first birth announcement uh, up to this point where they're presenting the child in the temple, they allow their faith, which their, their hope and their expectations, to dictate what they do. Their expectations become an action. And you know, we can have all kinds of hopes. We can have all kinds of expectations. We can have all kinds of beliefs. But if we don't act on them, then what are they really? Just fantasy, I guess. But they don't do that. That's true for the next character that we meet in here as well. Scripture says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him righteous and devout not a whole lot of people get called that it can be a little intimidating to us to hear someone described that way we often think you know it's only the mother Teresa's or the Billy Graham's of the world that we can call righteous and devout but Simeon's given that description not because he's perfect not because he's done some wonderful work for God or anything Simeon has sin, he just knows what to do with it. And he practices what he believes. That's the devout part. And I wonder this morning, if you ask yourself, do I let what I believe change the way I do life? Does what I hope for and what I expect affect the way I do day-to-day things? The way I read this, Simeon is a guy who's just going about his business every day. He gets up, he goes to work, he does the right thing at work, he comes home, he does the right thing with his family. Sure, he makes mistakes and screws up like we all do, but he repents and he gives it over to God and he lets God inform him about what's beneficial to him and what's not good for him. That's where I think Simeon comes from. And he's hoping for this consolation of Israel to come. He has a great expectation that the Christ will appear. And this is what leads him to live the life that he's living. You know, if Simeon were just coming to the temple and then the rest of his week didn't look any different... I don't think he gets to be described as righteous and devout in the Bible. And you know, God is so interested in our whole week, not just our Sunday morning. There's 168 hours in a week, if you do the math. We spend about one hour in here. What matters more, 167 or one? Simeon is definitely allowing that 167 hours to impact his life. Your second fill-in is this. Trusting love saves. When I first moved here and I was a a cake decorator years ago, I met a lady, uh, 83 years old. Her name was Miss Cat. 
And uh, Miss Cat, the way I met her, was she was washing dishes at the place where I worked at 83 years old. And she was doing that because around the time she was five, she had to go to work picking tobacco. And then once the tobacco season was over, she would have to pick cotton and do whatever else was required on the farm. So she missed out on an education and missed out on a lot of great job opportunities because she was a woman. Earlier in the last century, everything wasn't as equal <laughs> as it is now. And so Miss Cat, at 83 years old, not having paid into Social Security, is washing dishes for a living. And she just had the wonderfulest, most sweet attitude. I don't think she ever had a bad day. And if she did, I certainly never knew about it. But I was kind of new to... Um, to being a believer, and she knew that. And so one day, I took some things back, and she said, Brian, Brian, have you ever heard the story of the dry bones? I said, no, Miss Cat, is that in the Bible? She said, yes, that's in the Bible. Preacher talked about it on Sunday. And I said, okay. And she said, God told Ezekiel to go to this valley, and the valley was full of skeletons, dry, dusty, old bones, been dead forever. And God said, Ezekiel, speak to those bones and I'll cause them to have muscle and flesh again and I will raise them up and I'll use those people. She said, Brian, do you believe that? And I said, well, Miss Cat, I guess if it's in the Bible, then yes, I do believe that. And she said, good, because I believe that and I really hope that's true because I need God to use these old dry bones. <laughs> Trusting love saves that uh, expectation has the implication of hope. Simeon's trusting God for the consolation of Israel. And that word consolation doesn't mean like what we usually mean by, you know, oh, there, it'll be better, and a little pat on the back and everything. In the Greek, it has the implication of to wrap tightly or to envelop. So Simeon is waiting for God to wrap his people tightly to himself. What a wonderful picture. What a wonderful thing to hope for. So he's in the middle of, of just doing his thing, hoping and trusting God, and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of him. I don't know if that's ever happened to any of you. You're in your day-to-day -day routine, and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, and the Holy Spirit says, look, I'm going to let you see something. I'm going to let you see the salvation of God, not as an idea, not as something that's talked about at the temple, not as something you read in the Torah. I'm going to let you see it for real. Come over here. Come into the temple. And so Simeon does. And that temple, if you know anything about the, the Jewish temple, it's a huge place, multiple courts. I am certain that Mary and Joseph were not the only people in there that day. And Simeon looks and he sees and he knows right away it's Jesus. That's what he's there to see. All of this hope, all of this expectation revealed to him immediately when Jesus was there. And he goes right to him. You know, I don't know how much expectation you have this morning if you can meet God, if you can see Jesus, if he's real to you, but he was to Simeon. He grabs the child up, 
And he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He's, he's, he's saying, okay, I can die now, God. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen this thing I've been hoping for, but there's more to it. That word, dismiss your servant in peace, is a beautiful word picture of casting the ropes off their moors for a, a ship so that it can set sail. Simeon's saying, Lord, let me sail into what you have for me. Let me sail into your peace. I'm ready to go. Cast off the ropes. What a beautiful picture. The consolation of Israel and for Myrtle Beach and for the whole Grand Strand is that baby Jesus. You know, we may not make much of this story about Simeon, but you have to understand what the Jewish nation had been through in the last 600 years before Jesus shows up. The world was not that great a place for them. 600 years before, it starts with the only place that they can meet God and worship Him and have their sin atoned for, destroyed by infidels, another nation. So they rebuild it, and they come back together, and they keep hoping and they keep expecting, and they keep reading, there's going to be this Christ child comes. And 400 years go by, and nothing, nothing of any real importance happens. Now, we know God was working in that time, doing things. It just wasn't obvious. But people like Simeon and Simeon's family and Simeon's family before him have continued to carry that hope to carry that expectation through so that when Simeon gets to the temple and sees Jesus, he's on it. He knows it. All this time, Simeon doesn't sit back and say, hey God, when are you going to show up and fix this place? When are you going to set things right on the earth so I can go on about my life the way I want to live it? Simeon doesn't do that. He doesn't fall prey to anything along the way and sees, you know, the Jesus coming as some sort of anesthesia so that he can go on about his life and not notice how much the world just stinks around him. Or some kind of amnesia, like, oh yeah, I forgot all the 600 years. Simeon's waiting for a savior, a real savior that's going to change and transform everything in the world. Simeon knows what the Christ is going to do. The Christ is going to take the temple out of the picture. (laughs) He's going to give us a whole new way to atone for our sin. He's going to do it. That's what Simeon has been waiting for. There's a scripture that says uh, all of of Israel. (laughs) I'll read this. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let me sail sail into your peace. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Simeon didn't know that part yet. Paul wrote that much later. 
Simeon gets a word from Mary and Joseph and tells them who their child is and confirms everything that the angel Gabriel has already told them and confirms the thoughts and hopes and dreams and expectations of that young couple. We're going to go on. The next person we meet is Anna. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So as we meet her, the good Dr. Luke gives us a little biographical information and tells us about her. We can do some quick math and figure out that Anna had probably been in this temple over 60 years. 60 years on her face praying for Israel. 60 years of hoping and expecting and fasting and praying and doing the same thing the same way day in, day out. I don't know what I would do the same way every day for 60 years unless I really knew that what I hoped for and what I expected was it. It was the real thing. It was worth it. So at the end of this 60 years, Anna sees this child, and the scripture says, coming up to them at that very moment. Anna has stayed in the moment this whole time. She hasn't allowed that 60 years to make her cynical, to make her jaded, She hasn't allowed herself to become so mired and entrenched in tradition that when she sees the Christ child, she doesn't recognize him. No, she knows what she's looking at. And she's transformed in that moment. Your last fill-in is that expectation and hope transform us. When her hopes and expectations are met, she knows what's going to happen, and it means the world to her. So, of course, immediately she starts telling everybody she possibly can. It's a lot to hope for the salvation of Jesus and not see it. It's a lot. We can hope for the salvation of Jesus and see it. (laughs) We know now that it's real. That cross on the wall reminds us exactly where this whole story is going, even right from this point. And this morning, if you have that hope, if you have that expectation, I I truly hope (laughs) that you meet him. We're going to pray here in a little bit, and you're going to have an opportunity to say, "Uh, Lord... (laughs) You're what I hope for. You're what I need. I need your salvation. I don't need a pat on the back. (laughs) I don't need to know that it's going to be okay tomorrow. I need to know it's going to be okay today. So whatever your hopes or expectations are this morning, I don't know. 
I hope if you get what you hope for and what you expect that it would change you, that it could change you, then it might change anything and maybe even someone else's life if your hopes and expectations are fulfilled this morning. I don't know what you got for Christmas. I know what Christmas is about. I don't know if you want to get that same thing for Christmas every year. You can get the the walk and the hope and the expectation every single year. And just starting the day after Christmas, you start walking in that all over again. You can be at Walmart buying the wrapping paper and the bows because they're on sale Friday again next year too. Or you can do something different this year. You know, when I, when I was that little boy asking for that bicycle and going through the JCPenney catalog, I was making out my list. I was deciding what I hoped and expected. What if today we turn that list over to God? What if today we say, God, I give you my hopes. I give you my expectations. Jesus, I surrender to the way you can transform me for that Holy Spirit lead me. Can we do that this morning? Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com. Dot com.